Hi, everyone. Anyone there? <laughs> Good to see y'all. Um, this morning, we're going to finish our Sanctuary Distinctives series. We've been talking about what makes Sanctuary distinct. Uh, and this morning, we're going to consider the topic of divine leadership, simply divine, uh, and, and look at how Sanctuary considers its own leadership approach and imitation of what we see God or Jesus do for leadership. Um, so let's open with the discussion question, as I love to do. What are some qualities of a good leader? Go ahead and break up into groups of two to four or five people, wherever you are. Discuss. Qualities of a good leader. All right, let's come back together. <clears throat> okay, what are some things? What did you come up with? Shout them out. Showing up. <laughs> Humility. Makes people feel valued. Thank you. What else? Empathy. Good listener. Listening. Several. Okay. Yeah, good. What's that? A delegator. Okay, right. Get people involved. Okay. Not just giving away the troublesome, dirty work, but yeah. Drawing on people's strengths. Excellent. Excellent. Good. Very good. Um, yes, to all of those things. Now, some of you may have been asking also, like, well, it may depend on the context of leadership, right? Different leadership roles may uh, require different leadership gifts. Like the leader of a country, those leadership gifts will be pretty different from a cultural or philanthropist leader, like Dolly Parton. <laughs> Right? Or uh, the leader of a Premier League football team who's playing in 15 minutes, Pep Guardiola of Manchester City, uh, or the uh, leader of a Tech 500 company, uh, or Fortune 500 company. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Uh, and then a leader of our church. Here's pictured uh, our senior pastor, Edie Wasink, on the right there with her husband, Tom. And then in the, between them is Kevo Rivera, former sanctuary member. Uh, they're pictured while marching in the Iowa City Pride Parade. So what I want to ask this morning, though, is what about those good qualities of leadership do we think about related to God, related to the divine, related to Jesus? Um, oh, here they are. Divine leadership. How does God or Jesus lead? And we're going to look at a Bible story that demonstrates Jesus' own approach to leadership. And it comes very early on in one of the gospel narratives, in the Gospel of John, and uh, in the book, John has an introductory prologue. It's kind of a poem. He then describes John the Baptist's ministry and then goes right to Jesus's own ministry. Okay, so we'll pick up the story in John chapter 1. The next day, John, this is John the Baptist, again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, look, here's the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, what are you looking for? Hmm. They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. Very specific. One of the two had heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. 
He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Missouri? <laughs> Philip said to him, My mistake. <laughs> Philip said to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked, where did you get to know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. All right, quite a story. And I want to trace the main leadership themes through what Jesus says, through what Jesus speaks in the story. And there are specifically three lines that we're going to look at. He says more than this, but we'll take three. So the first is a question. What are you looking for? This is the first thing out of Jesus' mouth in the book of John. Think about that. The very first words of Jesus are a question. Now, in the prologue, John tells us that Jesus is the Word made flesh, the Word of God made flesh, the embodiment of truth and grace, the light of the world. And what does this light have to say to us? A question. <laughs> That's the first thing Jesus does. He asks a question. And it's quite a question. What are you looking for? Mm, very probing. My uh, high school soccer coach was a great leader in my own life. Um, I really respected him. And he often asked questions. It was part of his own leadership style, leadership culture. There was one practice when I was a senior, senior on the soccer team. I was a team captain. So I'm supposed to be like the model or a model, <laughs> and, and good. But this particular practice, I was flailing. And we were doing like a specific passing drill. And I am, I am just floundering. I'm kicking the ball wildly whenever I attempt this pass. And I can't get it. And I just keep trying and floundering, trying and floundering. And my teammates start laughing at me. And uh, I'm getting red in the face. I'm getting angry and frustrated. Finally, my coach intervenes mercifully, pulls me aside for a private conversation. And the first thing he does is he asks me a question. David, where is your brain? <laughs> and he asked this in a very thick, he was from Eastern Europe. English was like his fifth language. Um, and so um, he had this very thick accent. David, where is your brain? I don't know, where is your head? And so, but it was very helpful because it got me at least privately with him to figure out what was happening, to talk and go back into practice and do a little bit better. A fruitful question from a leader, asked at the right time, in the right moment, that can be so, so good for us. 
And this is what we see from Jesus. Great leadership. He's asking a pointed, serious question. What are you looking for? And it has legs. And he's inviting them into the reflection that he knows will be good for them. He wants to know. He wants to know what is good for them and how they can respond to this question. Okay, number two. The second thing that Jesus says in this story. Come and see. An invitation. Jesus offers an invitation to these disciples. They ask him, hey, where are you staying? And he's like, come and see. Come on over and hang out. This is a little surprising given, again, who we know Jesus to be and how special he is. It might be a little bit like running into Taylor Swift at Target, and she's like, hey, come over and hang out. And you're like, cool. And she's like, yeah, we'll like play Yahtzee. <laughs> and you're like, sure, that sounds good, you know? Like, but this is it. Like, this is an invitation from Jesus. And he's inviting them to come over and just be with him. It's indicative of everything else that Jesus does in his ministry. He is invitational through and through. It defines everything. He never uses force or coercion or shame or guilt. He's simply inviting people to come and letting them respond as they will. Now, this brings up a really important contrast between two radically different approaches to leadership. And I want to name these as the invitational approach that we see with Jesus on the one hand, and on the far other extreme is what we'll call an authoritarian approach to leadership. So what do I mean by authoritarian leadership? Well, here are some common signs, and I've structured it as a pyramid or that's the metaphor we'll use uh, for this leadership approach. It holds on to power and authority. That is the main driver of this kind of leadership. And this kind of leadership, it sees that as sort of the main point, that whoever's holding the leadership is holding on to the power and authority. It maintains rigid boundaries to keep people in or keep people in line with whatever the leader says is good and right. It demands strict adherence to the rules and beliefs and norms of behavior. It enforces consequence, consequences, and sometimes without explanation. You're just going to be punished or have something uh, thrown at you for what you did, and you may not even know why or understand what's happening. And finally, it uses shame and guilt as motivators. So this is a rather extreme portrait, right, of, of authoritarian leadership. But unfortunately, this is often what takes place in a lot of Christian traditions and in churches across America, where you can see this kind of leadership starting to happen among the leaders or among the community um, and it's in part because the leaders themselves subscribe to this vision of what God or Jesus is like, that they see God like this. And then they implement that kind of leadership. And it really is like a pyramid 
with this structure in place, God's at the top, the leaders are under God, and then there's everybody else. And we're going to keep this pattern, this structure in place, because that is what we believe, the leadership says, is good and right. And the power and the authority that God has is given to the leaders who then hold it in a static position. All right, now let's contrast this then with what I think we see of Jesus time and again, and certainly in this story. And I want to suggest that the metaphor is more like a playground. Yay. In invitational leadership, it is defined by sharing power. The, the leadership of, or the invitational leader shares power instead of trying to hold on to it and maintain it. The invitational leader embraces vulnerability and humility. You'll recognize these are a lot of things that we shared early on in the, in the opening. An invitational leader uses playfulness. Um, I hear that in Jesus. Come and see. It's like, just come over and hang out. Come and play. It honors agency, the agency of individuals where people get to choose for themselves. Uh, In churches, we think about this as treating people as adults who are the experts of their own lives, right? Rather than the leader knowing or believing they know what is good for every single individual and you all must conform to this one thing, rather the leader recognizes the individual agency and expertise of every single individual on their own lives and that all of us are responsible for our own lives anyway. And that's what we're doing. And uses joy as a motivator. That's not about shame. It's not about guilt. It is about joy and the joy of discovering on this playground. Now, where is God in the midst of this playground metaphor? It's always changing. It's dynamic. Look, there's God on the slide. Oh, God's in the tunnel. Where's God? Right, this constantly moving dance of shared power, of playfulness, of joy, of vulnerability and humility. This is how sanctuary aspires to lead. It's how we aspire to organize our whole communal life. And it's perhaps one of our strongest gifts, honestly. This healthy leadership team um, with a commitment to invitational leadership, one marked by play and joy and vulnerability and humility. Uh, I cannot tell you how often I talk with other folks from other churches or other church leadership teams and how frequently they report some difficulties related to leadership and leadership culture. Sometimes a pastor will move into a church and, it's because, and they've, they've inherited some kind of organizational structure that they then have to contend with. And there can be some very, very funky dynamics because a lot of people hold on to the authoritarian leadership structure, the idea of power. And we're all jockeying for power. There might be longtime members. Stop me if you've heard this. There might be longtime members in the church who are used to having it the way that they're used to and will do everything they can to keep that in place. You'll have other folks who have new ideas, maybe. Uh Uh-oh. And then the pastors have to figure out, well, how are we going to do this? And who gets to say? How many committees do we need to figure out what is good and right? And who's got the power within the committee? I mean, this is, it's very, very hard. 
So at Sanctuary, what we are doing is trying to approach it with this shared power vision and vulnerability and humility. And, I'm, and please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying we've got it perfect or we've got it figured out. But we have a clarity that this invitational approach is what we stand for. That's how we're going to do things around here. Now, I have to tell you, Edie and Tom and I, the pastoral leadership team, um, we have strong personalities and strong opinions. And sometimes we disagree. And we have to figure that out. You know, what are we, what are we going to do when we disagree about how we're going to do something? And, and the truth is, because each of us is committed to invitational leadership, it makes the process so much easier. Because we know we'll figure it out. Or we'll just disagree. And we'll just keep coming back, keep coming back, until we arrive at solutions that all three of us feel good about. None of us is just digging our heels in, trying to get our way. We're not trying to compete over who has more power, authority, or position. We don't care. It's a playground. Someone's going to get to turn on the slide sooner or later. We all will. It's okay. And we take our time. And we come to agree. I have never heard Adie once use her senior pastor privilege, whatever that is, to get what she wants. She is just looking to share power for the sake of everyone's benefit. And it's honestly, it is such a gift for who and what sanctuary is and how we are becoming what God is calling us to become. Okay, moving on. Um, oh, I got to do a quick one because this, this renaming thing is fun, but we already kind of did it. So in, in this story, Jesus speaks. He says to Simon, you are to be called Peter, which means rock. And so Jesus is renaming Peter rock, <laughs> which I'm sure this is what Jesus had in mind. Um, and I love, this, I love this act of speech from this leader because he's saying what Peter will become. He's honoring the evolution and change that is happening in Peter and what that change will mean over time. Beautiful. We already talked about it, though, in another sermon. So go back and listen to the podcast if you want to hear more about evolving. Um, okay. Last one, number three. Divine leadership. And number three, it's emphasis on future vision and hope. And we see it in Jesus' line, you will see greater things than these. So this is part of any healthy leadership in an organization, a future orientation, a sense of where are we going and who and what are we becoming. Um, think Martin Luther King Jr. I have a dream. He's painting a picture of where are we going. I have a dream. This is where we are going. It, that is beautiful, perfect, divine leadership from MLK. This uh, leadership style, again, I want to contrast with what we see in a lot of Christian churches. Um, again, at least in America, in our context, and maybe in more evangelical churches especially. But there tends to be, within American Christianity, not so much a focus on the future, but a focus and an emphasis on the past. And the measure of health of the tradition is evaluated based on fidelity to the past. 
and maybe the distant past, um, the doctrine and practices. So let's again use this uh, uh, image or metaphor of a pyramid. We've got the tradition. The tradition, and it's related. It's doctrine, it's creed, the practices associated with it, which can all be gifts. But what is the role of the leader when we think about the past and the tradition? It is to guard it and protect it. This is the role of the leader in so many of the traditions, where the, the goal then of the leader is to enforce compliance with the tradition. And I've got to protect it and guard it. If people are not paying attention to the tradition, they need to be instructed. If they will not comply, they need to be ushered out. This is the role of a leader. So often when the past is the emphasis, when the tradition is the core emphasis. This is not at all, I think, what we see in the ministry of Jesus, and certainly not in this story, where Jesus is not occupying the role of the knight or the guard or the bouncer. Jesus is the future visionary, leading people into hope, leading people into a good future. Sometimes I'll read uh, church growth books, and um, church growth books are amazing. <laughs> they, um, so in church growth is like a phrase that people were using like in the 1990s to talk about how do we like, you know, do awesome stuff in churches to attract big numbers of people into our church. So think, maybe you've heard of Rick Warren, the purpose-driven life or the purpose-driven church. Okay, it's a classic example. And a lot of people will adopt these methods to get large numbers of people to come to their church. Now, honestly, I'm, I'm sort of neutral on this whole thing. I think a lot of that can be great. Like just thinking about how you organize things or is your parking lot accessible? You know, they'll talk about the numbers of chairs and like how do you organize a room to make it so that it has the best feel based on the number of chairs and how many open seats there are. This is good stuff. I, I like it and that's why I continue to read it. However, however, much of the messaging is all about getting people to come so that we can make sure we recover the tradition. We can recover the past. We can make people conform to the tradition that we have received. That is the most critical thing. And because we, by God's grace, know what's best for every single human on the planet in our church, we're going to get people to come and we're going to get people to conform to our interpretation of the tradition. So I read these books now and it's like sifting, you know, because I want to take some of the good ideas and I want to abandon that sense of, gosh, this really what is, I think, is just a fear. If we do not get people to adapt and adopt to the tradition, what's going to happen? The stakes feel huge and um, all will be lost if we don't get people to adapt to the tradition. Instead, what I see in Jesus is this radical turning, an emphasis on the future. Where are we going? What are we becoming? What are we going to do? And it's playful. 
You know, the moment after the story, um, Jesus and his friends are invited to a party, to a wedding. The wedding runs out of wine. So Jesus makes more. And he saves the party. And it's this great image of Jesus playfully tending to this party, this joy. And he's not like teaching some profound thing on Deuteronomic law and history based on Moses. He's giving people wine. (laughs) This is the grand divine leadership. And it shows how much Jesus, how the life and joy of the party, the future orientation of where Jesus is going. This is the kind of leadership that we adopt here at Sanctuary. A leadership that is based in joy. A leadership that is invitational. A leadership which opens us up to renaming and rediscovering who we are and who we are becoming. And this is the kind of leadership that we hope all of us will engage in in every aspect of our lives. Amen. I want to ask us to reflect on a question and take it in prayer. Um, But here's the question. How can you practice Jesus' leadership that we see him model in this story today? By asking questions, being invitational, and looking to the future. And I just want us to think about this uh, and take a moment for reflection and prayer. But think about your own lives in work or school, at home, in families, among friends. How can you bring these gifts to those contexts you find yourself in? Let's take a moment to pray. O come, Holy Spirit. Loving, invitational God, we hear and see the model of Jesus. This invitational leader is humble, who is boldly asking questions, who's holding out hope and future vision. God, how can we do the same? How can we imitate that kind of leadership in our own context? God, as you lead us, so you invite us to share those kinds of leadership gifts in the world Help us to embrace that. Free us from fear. Help us be courageous as we go into the world following you and your leadership. In Jesus' name, amen.